Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Why are we doing this? For the love of the game, mate. For the love of rugby. Let me introduce your hosts. And then it comes out in the press. So then we get a message on the group saying, 7 a.m. meeting at the training ground on Monday morning. No man has played for England more times than Ben Youngs. You're having a conversation and this boom will just come over your top head. You're like, how long have you been there for? Oh, Dan Cole. With his hundred caps, all his medals, his cuddly cute face and his beautifully shiny head. For the love of rugby. In today's episode, we have a special guest. It's the one and only. I think I've got quite a bad rest and bitch face, which doesn't help. It's Ellis Genge. Yeah! What's it like being followed by a Netflix crew? They all seem to hate my guts, but they all like me now, apparently. Just because I've done a, a Netflix episode. <laughs> it's so fickle, isn't it? It's mental. Filling cars with AdBlue. An update on Biscuitgate. And loving Jonah Lomu. Enjoy! What an intro. <laughs> I expected nothing less. It's a class, uh, class setup. Anyway, I noticed you got a hat on. It was bolted. <laughs> it was bolted this morning. If only we had a solution for you. You know, just put it on. It See how it fits. Because we, we think it's one size fits all and you've got a big Swede. Uh, giant Swede. Oh, wow. Perfect. Wow. You look good, mate. Do you know the colour schemes are bang on as well? I like it. You never wore a scrum hat. You never wore a scrum hat. I wore one when I was like 15 once and then never wore it again. I wore it because we had a tour to Haven't. I can't even tell you what it is. Now, Brian, is it Haven't? No? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, somewhere that it was fucking miles away. Is it near Portsmouth? Is that near Brighton? Kinda south, yeah, southeast. And uh, it was a Pirates of the Caribbean theme for the tour, for every tour. And I had dreadlocks because I was Jack Sparrow, <laughs> and I pulled these dreads out of my scrum out and played a game, and they were all falling out, and all these kids were like, <laughs> "What the fuck is going on?" But you also did look twenty-one when you were nine. I so. had a full beard as well. Yeah. I really, really bought into the Jack Sparrow. I like, shaved my mustache and everything. Shaped up. Uh, how's the traffic, mate? All right, getting there? It was all right, mate. Yeah, there's a 50 in Bristol um, <laughs> on the M5, but other than that, it's good. Nice driving back up to Leicester and to come here as well. This Thermiston? Well, well it's, it's top secret, this place, mate. Sorry. Yeah. We're in a bunker. We're in a bunker. Yeah. We're in a bunker on the ground. <laughs> it's not. Uh, it's no nowhere one, near no Thermiston. Near Thermiston. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go on that M1 junction to Colville. We were laughing, actually, not so long ago, weren't we, about, you know, like the cold mornings, which you won't feel the cold now because you've got a beanie. No, exactly. Um, and you used to come into training like a ninja because you'd never de-ice your car and you'd take the risk and you'd drive and it'd be literally like you're through your head, through like a little letterbox hole, refuse to de-ice your car, honestly, putting every man, dog, oh, woman and child at risk. Mate, I went to buy a van. I was in Leicester and it was literally called the van, the van shop in Leicester because I wanted to put the dog in the back, basically, and the missus wanted the other car. I went to him, I said, mate, I can't remember what his name was, I said, mate, I want a van. I said, I know I know how this goes. You go high, I go low. But I said, I don't want to muck about it. I said, I'll give you a decent price for a van. Just give me one that is not going to break down. Got nothing wrong with it. I'll, I'll pay full whack. I I'm not going to try to do you over. No problem, mate. I'm honest, man. Look at my reviews. 4.7 or something on online. Brilliant. 
salesman in his van, class, get home. As soon as I get home, the alternator goes, <laughs> right? So I rang him up. He was like, nah, mate, not my problem sort of thing. <laughs> I was like, brilliant. Like, I went back the next day, chucked bread over all of his vans. and No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. But uh, mate, someone did. Someone, someone, someone did. did. Someone I'm asking did. for a mate yeah. if you Gellis, did do Gellis, it. Gellis Eng did. And um, on that van, the aircon didn't work, so I couldn't heat it up. So I'd have to come out with the water in the morning with that, and I just thought, fuck it. So... Yeah, I'd get the scraper and just literally have a like that <laughs> on the way out. <laughs> but yeah, whatever it takes, mate. But you've got a great story about have, driving. Yeah. I always drove petrol motors and then I was given a diesel, which obviously you need add blue for. And on Christmas Eve, we obviously had the day off on Christmas. So I've uh, we had a social on the 23rd. I had a little lie and I thought, right, I'm going to drive home. So I got my trackie on, put my coat on, lovely and warm. Got to the garage and it said add blue low. So I thought, no problem, I'll fill it up. Can't be that hard. And as I lifted my bonnet, I sort of seen a a blue cap, and I assumed. <laughs> oh, I love it. I assumed this is so good. That meant add blue, because why else would you have a blue blue cap? It just makes sense. Doesn't Agree. It? So I lifted the blue cap, filled up about I don't know two liters of the five liter add blue bottle, got in the motor. It still said add blue low. I said that's fucking weird. It must be the other one. So I've I've poured it into the engine, and I've got about. <laughs> literally five miles from my house just on the off the m32 junction on christmas eve and it's smoking <laughs> literally i reckon about 10 minutes the computer on my motor is shutting down and it says i can only go 50 and i think fuck it 50 mile per hour i'll get home in about half hour no problem and then as i get to this m32 junction to come off into bristol i've literally broke down in the middle lane at the traffic lights and i reckon there must have been 30 miles of traffic on Christmas Eve. I've ruined everyone's Christmas. Um, I was all right, though. I got picked up and dropped off home. The mechanic yeah, then messaged you, didn't yeah. it? So after one of the games, we must have lost. And he came up on my request or whatever. I go on and I've got like a the about him. So I delete them all. And I clicked one. He said, hard luck about today, mate. Could be worse. Could have filled up your engine with that blue, you <laughs> fucking idiot. <laughs> I clicked his profile. It was like Land Rover Bristol Garage. <laughs> oh, fuck me. It was, uh, I remember the bloke who like took my motor in to fix it was messaging me like continuously. Are you sure you didn't put ad blue in it? I was like, mate, I'm sure. I'm positive. I'm positive. He's like, it's weird because it's full of ad blue. I was like, I don't know, <laughs> I don't I don't know why it. this is up. <laughs> so I was only like 23. I was like denying till I die. Like, it's what you get taught in rugby, deny till you die. Yeah, I love it, mate. Um, I love it. I blew it, quite literally. So Dan says, all the boys in camp have been listening to the pod. Is this true? Yeah, all the boys are listening to the pod. That's true. Um, and, and staff, actually. And staff. Um, there is a member of staff. Particularly. Who's got a, um, an issue, though. Yeah. He's very upset because um, he says that we've let him down because he wasn't first in the queue for the biscuits. And he has other stuff to do in the week, apart from knocking on the door two minutes before the start of the game. Richard Hill. Yeah. Um, NBA World Cup winner. Yeah, he wouldn't talk to me for like 48 hours because he got upset about this, uh, us bagging him on the pod. So. Well, let's bag him again. <laughs> Hilly, let's go on Saturday. Oh, well, I'd love to sit here and pepper Hilly for an hour. I think he's been trying to get, because we've had a Netflix cruise in, obviously, the thing, and I think Hilly's been at a big, after we've outed him on the pod, a lot of the time he's been in front of those cameras trying to show like, I'm working hard here. Oh, really? All the back rowers, come and join me. He does do that. Don't Here's I? my 03 highlights. Be like this guy. Is that you? Yeah, yeah. So I actually called him the other day with Chandler, and I went, "Oh, what's he doing? Showing you his highlights again, Chandler?" And he was like, "He actually has just shown me a video." Yeah. Shut <laughs> up! Like, no way! <laughs> no, he hasn't. I went fishing. I caught a big one. Yeah, he genuinely, I just showed him a, a video. I don't know what of. Jesus. Um, but you brought some freshly squatted in pair of England shorts. Yeah. Where do you want these? Yeah, I'll have them. These bad boys. Yeah, they're fresh. They're, right. they're squat wool. They're all right. What does our dad squat these days? There's one eighty for two. Uh, how's Coley been in camp, mate? Has he been all right? Because, you know, obviously I'm not there to look after him, am I? 
<laughs> the squad favourite. Yeah, I know he put on good form, mate. He's uh, he's rejuvenated, cryogenically uh, refreshed. No, it's been class. It's been weird not having you there, to be honest. Yeah, it is. You're a bit of a void to fill, then. It's been filled, though. It's fine. It's been filled, yeah, quite rapidly, <laughs> actually. Yeah. For a yeah. second, I thought, you know. Yeah. No, 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 but I don't miss you at all. Um, a lot less cups of teas floating about. 40s took you, Rumi. Yeah, I know that. 40s took Coley off your hands. Have you heard about Biscuitgate? <laughs> Go on, tell about me about it. the consistency of him the other week. He didn't like the feedback either, Tom. Tom's a chef. He does the biscuits, and I did hear that Biscuitgate, there was a bit of an uproar. Yeah, the consistency was wrong, and uh, we told him, and he went, nah, bruv. <laughs> I was like, no, mate, they are. like They're different. He was like, nah, bruv, can't be. He wasn't having any of it, was it? No, he was like, four kilos of chocolate, four kilos of biscuit. <laughs> yeah, he was like, same every week. I was yeah. like, when well, they taste different, he was like, can't. Impossible. <laughs> Tom, I'm not making this up. Like, and Did you not try one? DC said it as well. And uh, he was like, yeah, yeah, fucking all get on it now. It's <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> <laughs> like, serious. Thought we were trying to wind him up. No, he refused to try one. Did he really? Because yeah. he knew. Yeah, he knew himself. Yeah, he'd let himself down. Hill, Hilly thought they were different as well. Of course. That is his second job of the week, apart from knocking on the door. He's obviously trying the biscuits and helping with the pathway. Didn't see him at the Saxons game. Um, Netflix, mate. Featured heavily. Have you watched it? I've only watched the first two. I haven't watched all of them. If I'm being honest, how do how do you find like how did you find obviously inviting a big show like that in and and seeing you away from the game because I've seen it and obviously it followed you back at home and everything like that. It was alright. It was quite seamless actually because I was doing my own documentary at the same time, so I was already used to sort of having cameras around. They wanted a bit more sort of exposure, yeah, of the house and stuff. Whereas my actual documentary is more so about where I grew up and that sort of stuff. Whereas Netflix were actually sort of invading your space and and coming into your gaff and. Uh, I wasn't comfortable with it, as you can imagine, at the beginning. But yeah, you get you get used to it in the end. They weren't there for that long, mate. Like three hours. They actually got a lot of content for three hours of filming. And coincidentally, my mate Jed was there digging that day, so it's quite easy to sort of fill the gaps. But then they made me go at the park with Raf. You've seen that bit? Yeah, yeah, um, I've seen no, it. But we'd never do that. <laughs> we'd never all go up the park at the same time. So we've got two kids and a big dog, and Cass doesn't like being in the park when the kids are on the scooters and that because he can't play with him he sits there barking at the fence so it's a bit weird uh like sort of forcing conversation out which i'm not comfortable with at the best of time but it was all right like you've seen it in camp now coleus so they're not there now i guess until the big what's it called the boomer the comes boom. down. If, you'll be having a you'll be having a conversation and this boom will just come over your top of your head and you're like how long have you been there for yeah are so like, are they getting more access this yeah, time around than they yeah. did last year Sli- slightly well, last year was a bit there. like um rushing it in the fact that it was like announced like a week before yeah. the six nations and, and it's tough as well because obviously steve had just <clears> come in and he was yeah. like well i don't really want people coming in when i'm trying to sort of set the foundations there'd be more disruption you know he's like you don't want any distractions so but yeah it's, it's been a bit better this year i've seen that have you seen that the australian one on stan i've not watched it no I watched that one the other day. Good. Um, well, some of the comments on it and that I thought it was going to be bonkers, but it's not It's not as mental as you think. They had a lot of access. A lot of access. Eddie was always good on the access stuff. He wanted to grow the game. Yeah, he didn't really care. He was he was happy for people to, to see what he's doing. Has anyone recognised you on the back of the doco? Like people that aren't no rugby fans? A lot say? of the opposition nations now, especially the home nations, are saying that they like me now, as opposed to saying that they hate me and how much of a bell and down. So that's changed people's perspectives a little bit. All the Scottish and... The Irish, particularly when Sexton sort of held my collar on the floor and I was trying to get him off, they thought I'd smoked him with 10 el- elbows and just wasn't the case. Uh, they all seem to hate my guts, but they all like me now, apparently, just because I've done a, a Netflix episode. <laughs> it's so fickle, isn't it? It's mental. But we've talked about it on the pod before and like people see you for 80 minutes yeah. and they don't know who you are, what you do, what you're like away from the game. and um, well, People have preconceived ideas yeah. as well. They see you for 80 minutes on the pitch, don't you, being abrasive or whatever, yeah. and they decide that that is what you are 24-7. Yeah. And actually, 
we all probably play a bit of an act when we're playing rugby and the fact that you've got to get yourself to a certain mental state to play the game, which isn't what, if you're playing no. in that 24-7, you'd be... Can you imagine you were like that at home with the kids? Like, yeah. They'd never want to spend any time with you. Um, I actually had it the other day and I realised the impact that sort of the impressions you give off on the pitch because Manny, uh, the new winger, Manny Favoboso, who went to M&S to get some protein cookies and um, <laughs> we came <laughs> and back. Yeah, we came back and he was like, oh, I need to use the toilet and we were going to my room to have a cup of tea. And I was like, you ain't coming to my room. No way, are you winding me up? Mate, you're like 20 years old, you can't come in my room. And I didn't realise, he thought I was being serious. So he then went to his room and I was like texting him like, mate, where are you? And he was like, you said I couldn't come. And I was like, I had if you actually <laughs> thought I was being serious but like that's the obviously you thought I was proper serious bloke didn't he because it's clearly a joke but gotta be careful then you have to be careful and I think the way you play mate you're aggressive abrasive and you, you, you love it you love mixing it right but you're not that guy away from there no I think I got quite a bad wrestling bitch face which that, which doesn't help but in, in terms of like the personalities and I think everyone has to be invested I don't think everyone's necessarily completely comfortable with doing all the stuff that you see it's, it's ironic, isn't it? Because we say we don't want to do it. For example, when they do the, the kit launches and that, and they're like, right, do a celebration. I'm like, no, I'm just so fucking cringy. I'm not going to, yeah, to a camera. like. But then I see, I don't know, someone do it for the NBA, and I'm like, that's so sick. Like, What a sick celebration. He's just winning, yeah. do you know what I mean? But I, I refuse to do it because <laughs> I, I feel uncomfortable doing it. I think it's probably where the game has sort of constrained itself over the period of time I've been involved in anyway, where it's always been seen, not as a negative, but as a bit, you'd be a bit too different, which I, I like the balance. I think rugby's always been a bit like, oh, we don't do that here. And actually, you need to create more of a entertainment personalities. So it's a bit both in it, I think like, if you look at, say, social media and stuff today, like people follow almost individuals rather than teams. Yeah. And, you know, you follow watching individuals' highlights and that kind of stuff. So to grow the game in some regards, you want to kind of, they've got to push the individual aspect of it rather than the team part of it. And as you say, rugby's always been a team sport. So it's the balance of, which I think rugby's getting better at. He's growing people's personalities, hence like podcasts and social media and stuff like that. He's like, people get their points across and their personalities across in a way that they want to. But also some social media stuff can be, it's like when they go, have fun, be natural and have yeah. fun. And you're a bit like, a bit like when they try celebration, you're like, well, I, I can't. Because yeah. like, it's not, it doesn't it's not feel, it's not genuine. Yeah. I think that's where people, that's where the balance that social media is actually what's genuine and, and what people can relate to and rather than just what's forced upon you and what's, actually just fake depends if you're used to scoring tries then well I've never had to do it mate they go to me can you do a try celebration I'm like why <laughs> that does not make <laughs> sense happen too often. That does not what are you going to do if you celebrate a try I'm like well probably panic mate I don't <laughs> yeah, know yeah, like, yeah. What, are we, what do you want me to do yeah. would you ever be tempted to like say you score like say you just got in the end of like an, who was mental the French try. guy that scored that mental try against us that was the um, uh, Debatti Debatti yeah and he went, lately, went in the Debatti, yeah. if you scored a try like that what are you doing Probably blurt my arse Len. Yeah, you're probably yeah. recovery <laughs> position. Yeah. Right. I love the the celebrations of that. Sometimes when people do all the dances and that, it's a bit, yeah, it's not my thing. But I love it when people go nuts when they score. Unless like Rocket of Bernie when you're 30 points down and he scores a chip and chase. Goes mental. <laughs> but like, Fred, come on, come on. <laughs> we'll get an hammered. Yeah, there is a time and a place, <laughs> yeah, isn't there? Yeah. When you're losing by 50, it's like you might score the best try in the world, but just just uh, get back. When he hit that drop, he like, I was so happy for him because I was like, right, you can celebrate yeah. now. <laughs> and my uh, God, he did. Yeah, jeez. Yeah, still celebrating now, isn't he? That's the, uh, Fair play to got a three-year deal out the back of it. <laughs> big shout out to Fred. I know he's a big listener of the pod. <laughs> what a hero. <laughs> what a hero. Mate, with the docker and stuff, obviously you're hugely proud of, of where you come from and your journey through rugby is different to what many other lads have that play for England. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's reasonably well documented, hence the all the cameras and stuff that, that came and were so interested in it. I think 
one thing that the more I now sort of delve into it and the more people that give me, I guess, feedback on it and the messages I receive and all the emails, my mum does a great job of feeding it back to me because she has the, the email that they send all the messages to. And they say, you've helped me so much. Um, I'm from this place. I'm from here. And it's actually sort of spurs me on to, to share the stories more because at first I was like, fuck me people probably getting sick to death because I know I would if someone kept saying the same thing over and over I'm from here and this is how it's been this tough and I'd be like fuck me mate give it a rest like okay we get it but then when you see all these messages from the young kids who were from the same areas and had sort of similar experiences from what I've shared and the impact it has and actually makes them want to play rugby and they say I'm looking up to you I didn't have any of that when I was younger like I remember watching a Six Nations game when I was 17 I had mental tonsillitis I was at caravan site and all over my dad in a pub and they were stacking glasses on top of this bloke's head as high as they could because he fell asleep. And that was my first ever Six Nations game I can remember. And I think the younger we can tap into some of these people who are from the sort of same background as myself and give them inspiration or, or idols or icons, whatever you want to call it, don't care what it looks like, but the, the younger you can tap into them, the more passionate they're going to be about it and the stronger the game's going to get to the top. That's where I think it's been a bit fickle. Grassroots rugby, traditionally in my experience, has always been really strong. Definitely in the Southwest, that's all people want to know about. Whereas the higher end of the game, like ticket price, and I, I'm not a finance person, but the tickets are so, so expensive for these young kids to go and watch England play. And I don't know what the what the answer is, because ultimately the game needs to be funded, player needs to be paid for the risk they're taking as well. But they can't get access in the flesh to go and watch them. That's where the class divide comes in. That's why I'm trying to sort of highlight that, is that everyone wants to say, we want to help grassroots. We want, to, we want these kids from these areas to come and play rugby and, and love rugby, but... They can't ever actually get to a game. So fundamentally, that's one of the issues that I guess needs addressing. Well, I think you're doing an awesome job in terms of being that role model. They say you didn't have it when you were younger in terms of rugby players, but you're doing that and motivating kids and showing them there is a sport and yeah. a career to be had out of this. And it's an awesome one, right? Mm. And it doesn't matter where you come from, that you can do it going through the right ways and the channels like you can make it. And I think you're doing a, a genuine awesome job, mate, of breaking Cheers, down man. some of those barriers. Appreciate that. And actually, you know, when you say about that, because I went to Twickenham and I can say because you boys are involved, but I'm not. Um, <laughs> and I, I couldn't believe the amount of corporate, mate. Couldn't believe yeah, it. Like it's insane, right? And you're right. It has to feed the game and that, that feeds the game to then feed to the grassroots. But you're right. Like, we want these younger, like young families coming to watch, watching their heroes, watching guys like yourself, Genji, that, you know, that maybe they've something similar or can relate to you, you know, or, or Coley, whatever. Like, and I think I'm in interest at the moment because France are actually traveling around the country. I think that's class. And I think it's brilliant. Obviously, Twickenham is the home of English rugby, yeah. without doubt. But like, imagine we just went around the country just for one, you know, once in the four year cycle, you for one Six Nations tournament or one autumn. I understand one Six autumn. Nations being at Twickenham, but, but yeah, autumn, with, the autumns, with the autumns, when it's like friendly fishes and stuff, not friendly, but you know what I mean? Like exhibition matches, whatever you call it. But, but, but it all comes down to money, doesn't it, really? Because I think like, yeah. it'd be great to take the game, I think, but Twickenham makes eight million a game and it owns the stadium and owns everything. Whereas if you take that, say, Old Trafford, you probably have to pay them. You know yeah. what I mean? And so the they money goes down. So yeah. you charge even more for tickets so you become less accessible. So it's all, you know, as players, we want top whack. So like, you know, well, you gonna, do, don't and, you? And, and, because and, there's a massive yeah. risk that, that comes with it. And like being realistic, like we're going to be reasonably crippled after rugby because you don't know the demands that the professional game for this long, for someone like yourself, Coley, unfortunately, I hate to say it, mate, who's played at the top of the game in that position for that long, you're going to be Donald Duck, mate. So. But like footballers get that mental dough and they, you can sort of facilitate it. Whereas in rugby, yeah, you want to earn as much money as you can in that in that short window that you've got. And it's obviously a huge risk every time you play. So yeah, we want the game to be accessible to everyone. But at the same time, yeah, corporates do have to drive it because you, you want the dough as well. Can't have a cake and eat it, Ben. When money comes involved, the, the horizons of the game expand. Like once upon a time, obviously when it was amateur, you could only play if you were 
a working person they've got time off like if you yeah. go in the mine they're not going to go oh yeah please go away friday saturday sunday play for england you know what i mean it was like people who could actually whereas like now the game's professional teams go actually i'll just have the best player regardless in some regards of where they're from what they look like what they are if they're the best player we'll have you and you know money opens the game up and and i remember speaking to i think it was logavilli who's um from leicester but samoa like his grandfather was massive everyone's like oh Logo, like, because he's 130 kilos naturally, it's like, but he's like, my grandfather was like this, but because no one ever gave him any money, he was never going to leave the island. Do you know what I mean? Whereas, like, now the whole world opens up when you've got money to, a bit like the NFL, the NBA, like, you know what I mean? And that's where I say the game, rugby, I think, the professionalism hopefully expands. And that's where you've also got to engage kids and break down the sort of barriers of we're a public school game. Twickenham is a hundred and however much pounds, take us a thousand pounds, take a family there, this kind of stuff, and actually open the game up and, and find ways with the England team going on tour, the community stuff you do, that people do is like opening the game up and showing them there are routes into, and even if it's not professional rugby or international rugby, rugby's actually, there's a spot for you in the game, which might be down the clubhouse, which is with your mates on a Saturday or a Sunday, you know, it's a, it's a fairly safe spot to go hang out and actually gives you something to work towards and you train towards and all the values that we talk about in the game, which are important, but actually it's, you know, especially in today's day and ages, should be celebrated and pushed, even at not at the highest level. But to be fair, like since going back to Bristol, the community stuff they're doing, like you said, with money, Steve Lanz, obviously a very wealthy man. He actually has like a huge push on community and it's sort of, I guess, he doesn't have a, a financial restriction. He pushes so much community stuff, like the Bears are, they look after the community so well, I will, I will say that. But what might add a question for some of the, the sort of academy people, because I went into the academy change room and I looked at the board and every single school was Clifton College, Millfield, all these private schools. And I was like, why are you doing so much community work in areas where I've grown up? Other people have all these sort of areas where rugby doesn't get touched. But then everyone that you've brought through go to these mental schools where it costs 40 grand a year, where these kids that you're working so hard on aren't ever going to be able to, unless they get a scholarship, but I guess they aren't going to give all of them scholarships. I thought it was sort of defeating the objects of exposing yourself to all these kids in these these areas where rugby's not the number one sport, it's football cricket basketball boxing different sports and then you're picking all these kids from these mental schools i just thought it wasn't the carousel's not working obviously that's where the game's i guess lacking in that sense obviously you're still playing but when you finish i'm assuming this passion will continue to them mate, I'd, I'd, I'd love to but ultimately mate, i'm not going to make enough money in rugby unfortunately to never have to work again so i'm still going to have to work in some capacity when i finish anyway unless i don't know win the lottery not going to happen i don't buy tickets but what i will say is my the baby rhino coaching camps that I originally set up to make a bit of dough essentially didn't make any money because we seen that there was such a gap in the market for kids from areas that we were from couldn't afford to go to these 50 pound a day coaching clinics and we were like I was like mum fuck it like I don't want any dough from it you pay yourself for all the admin and work that you're doing pay the coaches well we use the Bristol Bears women players to come down to the coaching so they earn a bit of dough as well and I just said look make it free for the kids who can't afford it bring packed lunches bring sun cream bring Mate, there were kids coming to these camps. They had like reheated McDonald's from the day before in a packed lunchbox. No sun cream in summer and it was like 35 degrees and they had the same skin as Coley. It's not a good mix, do you know what I mean? Transparent. Yeah, it it was see-through. They didn't have any sun cream and then if it was pissing down, didn't have any warm clothes and stuff like that. So I was like, I don't want the dough. Like, There's a bigger thing going on here. So I actually spoke to um, a few people in, in the government in Bristol and said, like, look, I'd love to put myself forward as a a spokesperson or a figurehead for sort of using rugby because the you think about like the what rugby gives you what it gave me it gave me discipline it gave me respect it taught me so many great values like brilliant values that I definitely want to pick up on if I would have continued to play I don't know football or continue to do whatever I was doing with my friends 
I wouldn't have ever been exposed to well, meeting people like yourself. Like I've, I wouldn't have had the opportunity. And I think rugby's brilliant in that sense. Like it can straighten you out as a, a young Neanderthal. I would love for rugby to be that answer for these these young kids in, in Bristol who are running by. And you seen the other day when I was in camp, Collie, I said like these two kids got killed in Bristol the other day. Absolute innocent bystanders for no reason. And unfortunately, poverty breeds crime, gangs, drugs. It all comes in un under one bracket. So if you can take these kids away from having fuck all on the streets into these camps, I don't know, even if it's for an hour on the evening, that's an hour when they're not out on the streets. So... I said to my mum, like, let's actually try and sort of channel this now and I'd be happy to be at the front of it and sort of a person for these kids to look up to, for someone who comes from that area to use rugby as a vehicle to get out of that. It's not going to, ain't like football, you can't get a professional contract, move your whole family out of there, it don't work like that. But what it does teach you is timekeeping, wearing the same kit. I never wore the right uniform to school, do you know what I mean? I never wore polo, I wore trackies and Air Force. Like, I, I didn't want to do it, I refused. And then, like, you come into rugby, all of a sudden, if I ain't wearing the right socks, Richard Cockrell's in my ear, screaming at me. So the core values that rugby teaches you, I think, are incredible. That's why I'd like to use that as a, a vehicle to help these kids out. Whilst I'm playing, I don't know what I'll do after when I'm done. One of your big leadership skills, and you've captained England, and you've captained Leicester. You captained Bristol for a couple of games. So not a season, not, yeah, not a season, no. But you, you've got great leadership. And one thing is, you're extremely caring, brilliant people's person. What you mentioned there is, it's leadership, right? Yeah. What, is that something that comes natural to you, basically? I think care is the, the main word there that you use, and I think sometimes you probably care a bit too much. Um, and, like, it, it's held me back at, at times. Like, with my friends, I was reluctant to sort of leave them all, all behind and, and, and go up to Leicester. But look what it, look what's come out at the end of it. So I, I think naturally I'm, I'm just a... Yeah, I'm a quite an emotional bloke. And like you said, when we're on the pitch, I guess you see the other side of the emotion where it's sort of channeled to be aggressive and competitive and, like, be an asshole basically, on the pitch, which you know all too well then. But... There's the other side of that as well, where like I notice that most of the players at Bristol, like, if they have got something going on, they'll message me. Or if I was at even the boys at Leicester, some of the young lads, they'll message me. And the young boys at England, they'll message. And I, I quite enjoy being that sort of, I don't know what the word is, figurehead for those lads where they can bounce things off me. I never want to be that bloke who's unaccessible because when I was younger and I was 18, 19, 20, I didn't really have anyone a lot older who was genuinely going to sit. Jack Lamb helped me a lot, a lot. He was brilliant with me. And I, I guess I learned it from him who was going to sit there, spend time with me and actually sort my problems out. I took a lot of good traits from people and sort of channeled it into my own little recipe to, I guess, yeah, help help those lads who, who need it. So you mentioned obviously about doing another documentary. Genji, like, give us a little bit of an insight, a little bit of flavour of what that's about. It's, it's about me, obviously. Um, but weirdly enough, it's not solely about myself. It's more so about what makes me me. Delves into more so like my family outside of rugby um, that I've always touched on in the in the past. I never really opened up on. There's a class interview on there of my granddad, who's where we get our, our heritage from. And he's been in that prison and he spent a, a long time in there and he tells a few funny stories and stuff about how he broke his ankles jumping out of a window. He's a he's a character, but I'll let I'll let you see the clips. Um unearthing sort of that, I guess, what made me that diamond in the rough when I came to Leicester and uh yeah, I guess probably answer a few questions for people that they've had over the over the years. I look at Rich Genge, worst tipster in the world. This is Genji's old man. Rich Genge, right? If you want to lose money on a horse, ask Rich who's yeah. running. Right? He also still owes me a buffalo. Doesn't he? He does, We were yeah. lining up for National Anthem. I was next to you. Yeah, right? yeah. And you went, your old man's buffalo. The point said, Len, I'm about to play a test match if you don't mind. <laughs> Just keeping that shit to yourself. He's literally about to sing National Anthem. I'm looking right ahead. I clock Rich Genge. There he is. He has a swig out of his right hand. Your dad owes me a buffalo. <laughs> Lenny, shut up, mate. I'm about to play a test match. So am I, mate, but he still owes me a buffalo. He's still in debt. He's still in debt. He was moaning about the uh, price of the uh, beer in Edinburgh. It was, it was steep. £7.50 for a Peroni and £9 for a pint of Guinness. 
That's bonkers. That's bonkers. He's texting Gentry. What, uh, what yeah, room yeah. are you, mate? He didn't care about the result. He didn't care about the result. He just said, mate, it's £15 for two points in this hotel. <laughs> what room? And I'll just put it in the room, Bill. Just put it in room, Bill. Yeah. Like Greg Bateman. Oh, jeez. With, with the espresso. We told that on air, yeah. That's probably yeah. one of my favourite stories ever. I was, yeah, I was still wet beyond the air. I was only 22, so I was sort of out of the loop, but... It was a pre-season Treviso. We were in pre-season. Yeah. Greg Bateman's, Bateman's in 207. Yeah, yeah. So just sign off on 207 and we do this. It wasn't even a massive bill, but it was like basically what happened. We went out and then... We blew it. It was racking up. Yeah, it was racking up. It, but it was, the boys went out. Bateman thought he'd done a really good thing because he didn't go out. He went and got ice cream instead and thought he'd nailed it. So the boys went out. Next thing, they all tried to pilot to McDonald's. The police came because it's 30 police. or 40, but armed police is 30 or 40. Team manager had lost his phone, hadn't he? Yeah. yeah. Ben had pushed the team manager Cornish, into the pool, so yeah. he'd lost his phone. So then basically he went to McDonald's, he had 30 or 40 blokes outside McDonald's trying to get served. McDonald's panicked, called the armed police. The armed police came along and were like, basically get back yeah. on the bus and piss off. Team manager got anything because he's lost his phone. So anyway, this all gets back to Richard Cocker. I think he got released in like... Italian press. I think it was in the English press. I think it was like in the Sunday or something like that. Something like the Friday night and Sunday it was in like the Times. I think Leicester had a scuffle with the armed Italian police. So then we get a message on the group saying, 7am meeting at the training ground yes. on Monday, Monday morning. morning. Yeah. So we all get there, we're all sat there in dead silence. Cockers comes in, like, kicking the door down. He's like, right, guys, you've fucked up, all this kind of stuff, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Everyone's like, right, go on in, tell me what happened, tell me what happened. But no one had done anything. Yeah, no, this I just went, I went, Cockers, I'm sorry, I, I stole a cookie from McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> His face was like, <laughs> what, what else? What else? Yeah. What else? Yeah. Another player's like, yeah, I, um, I got a cheesecake and put it in someone's face, but missed it. But, but I cleaned it up, I cleaned it up. And afterwards, it's like, right, right, you could see him, like, fuming, because it's like, Nothing's Shit, actually nothing's happened. Happened. Right. Well, well, Greg Bateman, Greg Bateman. <laughs> 200 euro room bill. That's not humble, is it? 200 espressos. That's not fucking humble. Bateman shut his pack. He was like, you don't want to say that. <laughs> he said, Richard, how could I drink 200 espressos in three shut days? Up. That's not humble, Bateman. 200 espressos, huh? Not paying your room bill. Well, obviously, I didn't shut up. <laughs> 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 don't ruin this moment for me <laughs> and then he said we had this creed didn't we we had this creed he's like right oh, yeah, read out oh, the creed God. and everyone's looking at each other like no one remembered the creed <laughs> like and then can you remember when we met um metro bank guy yeah and, and the pens if dog wants to come into the bank why, why don't banks let dogs in if your dog wants to shit in the bank we'll clean up cocker's got this guy in and he was like a I don't know, like leadership talker. Like he won an award the year before for motivational or like he'd help. Like I don't know if he was like an actual banker or something like that, but he was like one of the high up in the Metro Bank and that brought it in and all that kind of stuff. But the whole thing, uh, the whole season, it was kind of like we had a creed and like a motto. And Leicester's the city of Leicester's motto is like Semper Edem, which is always, always the same, the same or something. Yeah. Like that. And Cox brought in like you know we're Semper Edem, always the same, always like successful, always successful, this kind of stuff. And that CEO of Metro Bank came in and he's like, you know, what happened? Um, what happened with Kodak, the cameras? What happened with them? It's like well they didn't evolve and they lost out to. The the um, digital pictures like kind of digital cameras and what happened to um, Nokia Nokia yeah, yeah you know they didn't want to change didn't want to change lost out to the iPhone you know you've always got to constantly evolve constantly evolve and Cox is loving it up to this point and it's like Richard you know Lester have you, have you got a motto <laughs> maybe no <laughs> <laughs> some, some, some freedom what does that mean does Latin don't really know like <laughs> <laughs> he sat there at the front literally like kept turning around looking at us like how good's this bloke how good's this bloke like for our not of a proof he was Dodgeball West that bloke yeah, at the time the way was, he was speaking it was like a skit from, from Dodgeball that was genius that was genius I hope you're all enjoying this as much as I am but we do need an ad break 
the rage of the earth, we made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. I'm Ellis James. And I'm Colin Murray. And in our podcast, Everything to Play For, we take a proper look at the greatest sports stories of all time. We're talking the juiciest rivalries, the bravest underdogs, the biggest comebacks. We are chucking a bit of context into the mix. Yeah, real deep dives like bottom of the ocean. Oh, yes. Do you want to do a PhD in Wayne Rooney? Then listen to this <laughs> podcast. We are taking those big stories of the names that you know, like Andy Murray and Wayne Rooney and Mo Farah and Arsene Wenger and Alex Ferguson. But Hopefully, even if you think you know the stories, everything to play for will tell you stuff that you didn't know. Yes. And you can follow everything to play for on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can also listen everywhere from June the 10th and binge seasons early and ad-free on Wondery Plus. And those were the ads. We talked about like, the positives, like trying to increase the breadth of the game and social media open up and, and TV and stuff. There's obviously a downside to social media. It's probably the best and worst tool for a professional athlete. Like, it can be incredible. Probably more sportsman over here. Yeah, not really an athlete. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, talent, boys. Yeah. Strict talent. I saw a lot of athleticism on that kick sprint, mate. <laughs> Cole, you overtook me, man. I was blowing. I'm hoping he's getting some stick. Hopefully it's in the review. Why don't you just step him? Yeah, there, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, like I said, I, f- I think it's like the best and worst tool. Um, I think some of the youngsters, like you catch them and some of the older boys as well, sort of in the mirror of the bus, searching their name on, on stuff. And I think you're doing the worst thing you could possibly do. I, I got sent one the other day in the Italy game. I didn't even play. Saying, can't believe how bad Ellis Genge was today. I didn't play. So that, that shows you the how stupid some of the people are that actually send you the messages. So... You can sort of take it with a pinch of salt. It, do, it does it sometimes. Like you actually read a message and you think, yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> oh no, everyone's seen that, did they? Um, so, so sometimes it does cut you, but it's, it swings around about. It's like if you have a great game, you're going to get good feedback as well. I don't envy the younger athletes who come through now who have, I haven't had TikTok until the last week. Thanks, Miranda, for forcing me to set that up. But, big shout out to Miranda. Yeah, big shout out to Miranda. But they're so sort of like they've got these mental apps. I see like Fred Stewart on his phone. Not that I'm calling Fred out, but he's got no call him out. Yeah, call him out. Some of these mental apps that like he's like, oh, just do this for me. It's called like be real. And you take a photo. The concept is you take a photo. I'd take a photo of that, and it would take a photo of me at the same time. Oh, and, grow up, Fred. But that's it. Grow up, Fred. <laughs> but that's it. That's that's the app, and that's a, I just find it nuts. Like, what are you getting out of that? Anyway, they're so they're so wired into all, all these things, and they're so obsessed with it. My little sister's the same. Like she sees all this stuff online and I'm like, where have you found this? But they're so wired and it's like everything from screen time through the roof and that and can't go an hour without the phone. So I understand that has such a big impact on them and it's, it's everything from, but at the same time, I think, fuck me, just take a step back from it sometimes and just relax. Do you know what I mean? Because it does get full on. I can see why people delete it. I can see why people completely get rid of it. Johnny Hill, for example, I think John had one bad game, you know, when he dropped the nut on someone against uh, Australia and got a yellow or vice versa. I think he got peppered in that game and he was like, I've had enough of it. And John's like from farming stock, he could have went without it for his whole life, but he had it because he played rugby and he took a step back. I thought, fair play, John, like, he must be so much happier. Like there's a lot of good people out there that generally want to get behind the team sport, but you've also got proper loaded melts out there as well. Like, the thing is, like, what you've got to remember is if you go to a restaurant and you have a meal that was, I don't know, a seven out of ten, you probably ain't going to 
rant and rave about it and write a review online. If you have one, it's a one out of ten or a two out of ten. You're gonna let them know, aren't you? So all the games that you play where you're actually all right, you do well. No one's gonna say a word. But the one second you do something bad, everyone's gonna let you know. And that's how the world works. So like the one percent of people that want to let you know your shit are gonna let you know your shit. The ninety nine percent that don't really care, they ain't gonna say anything. So. You're going to hear about it regardless. I think also, like, it comes with, like, preconceptions. Well, I've said it before, but, like, if people think you're bad, they'll just look at the bad stuff. And if people think you're great, they'll ignore all the bad stuff and just pick up, oh, he touched the ball, he's great. So, and that's probably, it comes with, again, you know, opening up the game, actually showing people off the field and what they're interested in. I'm not saying it's going to change the narrative, but it opens you up and actually shows that, because some fans obviously just see you for 80 minutes, but they don't know the answers and don't see it whereas it's that ability isn't it, to open it up but at the same time protect yourself in regards to yeah people need to make a mind up do you want an absolutely accessible game where you know the ins and outs for everyone and you want people to 100% solely be themselves or do you want people who are giving you answers straight back like not giving you anything back you're never going to get personalities coming through because everything that they say that you don't like do you know what I mean you're just going to come down like a ton of bricks. Like, what, what do you want? Because you can't have both, unfortunately. And people are going to say, well, you need to be able to take criticism. Difference between criticism and absolutely, like, taking someone apart, you know? And a bit of hate, isn't there? Yeah, like, literally, literally, as if you've met them, you know from the bottom of you hate their guts. Like, that's how people write to you online. It's it's nuts. Well, we are always about the love of rugby. So that's right. enough about those Brilliant. potholes. Yeah. In rugby, you know that everyone's really supportive, like your teammates. When you do something wrong, Everyone is so helpful and they won't say anything about it. They'll make you feel real good about yourself. Can you remember Japan? We were at the World Cup. Yeah, I thought I was going to die. And I you, was so you, you told me to leave you alone because <laughs> you'd had enough of me. Do you know, that's, I haven't got many regrets on the pitch, but that is one of my biggest regrets. I should have embraced that moment, so I apologise to you. I should have embraced it. I was absolutely fucking blowing Coley. And Lenny was, what were you saying? I've were, basically been running around for like 15 minutes, like chatting bollocks, basically, yeah. to Genji. Yeah. I was so tired, mate. Japan was hot and sweaty, wasn't it? But we were like, we're like running to the ruck and I'd be like, Genji, watch this. I'm going to do something mental. <laughs> and I was literally, my chest was getting so tight. He I needed breathe. my inhaler. Yeah. Anyway, he then like cleared out this ruck, didn't you? I, I was like, go on, one, Genji, yeah. give him another one, boy. <laughs> I just went, Len, just shut, shut the, the fuck, fuck up. up. <laughs> and I was going up and I was like trying to chat to him after. He's like, please, just fuck off. I can't <laughs> breathe. I couldn't, man. You know, when you feel like, because it's so hot and humid and you feel like you need space. Yeah. And he was in my ear, you like that one, boy? You like that one, boy? Yeah, give him another that, one, boy. Yeah, do you like that one, boy? Score it from the length of the pitch. And I was like, let <laughs> fuck off. Yeah, give him another one, Genji. Go on, he wants one in the tongue. Give him another one. Oh, yeah, and I should have embraced it, but I just, I didn't have the capacity for that big man. Needed your inhaler. Yeah, I did. Obviously, as Len said, we're all about the, the love of rugby on this pod. So, as you are our first guest, and a very special one too, we've kind of played with a little feature. We say it's a new feature. We're just going to ask you some questions. You're changing the game, boys. Yeah, we are. It's yeah. a feature that we've just a made. Q&A. Yeah. Hot seat Q&A. Yeah. It's a, it is a question-answer format. Brilliant. <laughs> Who was the first rugby player you fell in love with? Don't be shy. Go on. Um, to watch... Probably Jonah Loma. Sorry? <laughs> <laughs> that that's not how you pronounce yeah, my that's name, That's not how you say <laughs> uh, Yeah, probably Joe Lohman. I, even, I didn't even watch rugby when he was playing, but just watching the YouTube videos and stuff of him making everyone look like small little children. Yeah, I was quite into that, so... You can carry a ball. Give it a go. Why do they just not like put you in the backfield more? Because last time I did that, I... <laughs> go on. <laughs> imploded. <laughs> 
<laughs> we played France, right? Um, what year was this? 2022? And Genji was like, oh, bollocks. I'm going in the backfield. And I'm, like, I'm going to catch this ball and I'm going to fucking run it back. Like, I'm setting the tone. Yeah. Right, so he's, he's all far and brimstone. He's ready to go. He's mad for it, right? Anyway, kick off. DuPont lumps this ball downfield, right? Someone catches it. This, this bloke's just standing in the backfield, totally off script. Gets the ball, same leg, same arm, like high knee using it all the way back. Runs across the pitch, not across the pitch. No, I was running straight, and then I seen <laughs> An Antonio and that big lump second row. Big lump, sir. No, not him. The other massive second row they got, numerous ones. And I thought, I'm quicker than them. So I thought, <laughs> I'm going to run round them. But Nick Azikwe, like didn't realise I was going to like jump off my left. So I've come off my left and Litway just looking at me. He hadn't, <laughs> he hadn't moved and I've ran straight into him. And I remember going, get the fuck out of the way, Nick. <laughs> like, <laughs> Can you not see what I'm trying to do with it, yeah, man? Get out of like, the way. Read uh, me. Oh, and I remember chatting to him about after the game. He was like, bro, what the fuck are you doing? I was like, that's not it was just about. It was so good because he said to me, he's like, what do you reckon? And I was like, shit, mate, do it. I'll get behind <laughs> that. Like, just fucking do it. Get in the backfield, mate. Like the team, like we're away. They're going for the grand slam. You set the tone Genji go on boy I was like in his ear because I'm quite good at getting in your ear like, like getting him wound up like so off he went but the fact is we didn't tell anyone else Brilliant. so the time he got it so Nick Azikwe is actually retreating doing the right job next week seeing Genji running flat out at him so like no wonder he was like what are you doing boy thinking about during the week what, when did you practice this move uh, they'll never see this coming no they won't what do you love about rugby that nobody else does um what do I love about rugby that nobody else does I love seeing people get it wrong when they come to like new environments, new clubs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess this is yeah. not, I have an answer because you probably love that as well. Yeah. But You're so true. I'll never forget when uh, it was like peak COVID and Rory Hughes coming to the club from Glasgow. He loved drum and bass and stuff and we'd never had any music on in the change rooms. And he sat there with his own speaker like this, just dubstep pumping everyone. It's just like, is this a paid actor? <laughs> like... It was crazy, but yeah, I love consistently seeing people just blow it. Ryan Lamb once walked into a meeting. He was like late for like a nines, tens meeting. And uh, he walked in and uh, Stuart Lancaster was like, you're late. And he went, sorry, Steve. And he went, it's Stuart. And he was like, yeah, yeah of course it is. Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so there is, a, there is a beauty to people getting things wrong. And I just, just getting like, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> just like, I love it. Oh, mate, you got to get it wrong. You got to get it wrong. Um, okay, quickly. Which away ground do you love the most? Barryfield. Any reason why? Uh, hostile, very hostile. Uh, they all genuinely hate you and just probably had best feeling, scored the winner up there in 2020. Don't know if you've heard. Yeah, well, you don't stop our dad from two out. <laughs> Which law would you love to change? In rugby, the free kick law when you catch it in the 22, calling a mark, I just think it's, I don't, don't stand it. Coley, you got to do some digging on that. Like, why is that? Why, can, why can you do it in a 22? I just don't understand it. It's like, all right, if you catch this, you can then slow the game down loads. I just don't really, don't get it. We'll, we'll scrap that. We'll get onto that. I just don't see who would be like adverse to it either. Who would be like, nah. Yeah, can, can just, just fullbacks. Yeah. South Africa, mate. Just, just Freddie Stewart. Yeah, just, <laughs> just fullbacks getting melted. My pet hate one at the moment is I get rid of the catch tackle. Catch tackle, you well, know, choke tackle, yeah. I just and retain possession. Yeah, retain possession. Yeah, yeah. Say, when, as soon as you score more, as soon as the ball moves forward or backwards, that's the team that goes forward yeah, wins it's it. It's not so, a turnover. So defensively, you're like, is it worth doing this? You know what I mean? That also slows the game right there as well. All that sort of stuff. Holding just... the ball over the line, I just think ridiculous. Like, you work so hard to get the 22, right? You get over the line and your reward is someone hoofs it 60, 70 metres on a goal line drop. What out. was it before? Five metre scrum. It was five metre scrum to the attacking team. Yeah. yeah. But then do you reward? Good deal, Good deal. Poor attack. Poor attack, yeah. Precisely. No, you, you need to reward attack because it's D heavy at the moment. It is very hard to break down D at the moment, yeah. I've got a lot of free... I'm going to get on the World Rugby okay, board. Right, yeah. I'll get on the board. Yeah. 
Vote me in. Who had Beaumont? How long has he got left? What would you love to do after your playing days? Um, nothing. Uh, that was what I'd love to do. What would I probably do? Uh, probably continue the gym stuff. A few appearances that Len's probably doing at the moment. Take them off his hands. Uh, I'd like to be involved in community in Bristol somehow. I don't know what capacity, but yeah, maybe open up a youth centre or something and actually try and do something positive with my time instead of uh, running around doing a load of gigs all the time. Break it up, you know. Would you ever want to coach? Saying no right now, but it's only because I see how much stress some of the coaches are under and I just, I don't think I deal with that very well. But that's because there's a lot of shit coaches out there. And there's also a lot of shit rugby at the moment in terms of the finances of the game, like in the Prem especially, like I see how much pressure, like you see coaches after interviews and stuff and they look a shell of themselves, so I don't think I'd enjoy that. I'd like to do some consultancy work, that seems pretty easy. You come in, say everything is crap and then you leave and get Oh paid. my God, like Frank Dick. I've got to give him a shout out. <laughs> like, you know, he's obviously achieved a lot and all that jazz, but he used to come in and observe us do a power session, write something down in his notebook and like shuffle off. Have you, have you ever played Tomb Raider? Right, you know, like the butler yeah. that you could lock in the, yeah. right, for all the listeners out there, that's Frank Dick shuffling around the gym, like watching, like God bless him, but come on, mate. I'd love to be Frank. What position would you love to play for one game? Do I have to be effective or is it just for the crack? If it was, you do what you want, if I had to be viable, it'd be eight. And then just to see if I'd be any good, it'd be centre or lose 20 kegs and go win, probably. Well, you ain't losing 20 kegs. I think I could, Len. I think I could, genuine. Really? I lose weight quick, mate. I also put on, as Coley knows, I go from, I was at 124 last week and I played the game at like 120, so four kick swing in two days. But yeah, probably wing. I just think you got to catch the ball and beat one person. I just don't think it doesn't sound that hard. <laughs> <laughs> they seem to make it look really hard. I think if I had to catch someone, I'd 10 metres either side of them and actually had to beat them. I think I'd do it. Some back three players do make it look incredibly difficult when it's I think like... if you're much quicker than them, run around them. If you're much bigger than them, run over them. I don't really... Who knows? How would that work with your dyspraxia? Because a lot of people won't know you have that. But do you know what someone said to me once? <laughs> if you don't know what you're doing, they don't know what you're doing. So I think it works to my advantage. You come a long way. Because when you first turned up Leicester, you used to just run around in a circle, didn't it? Because you didn't know which... <laughs> like I've broken an oar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still heavily dyspraxic. Like it just comes out um, unexpectedly. Mate, the other day we were doing like a skills drill and I just flicked in and I got it straight in the bonds with the ball. Just explain, like, because it's for the... Like, cause I didn't know what Mine's, it was. Uh, so you get different forms of dyspraxia and it affects like time management, coordination, like motor skills more than more than anything. But mine's more judgment of space. So like my first motor was in tatters, as you've seen uh, when I come to the club because I just bump it all the time when I was driving because I thought I could get through gaps that I couldn't. My shoes were fucked growing up because I'd scuff them all the time and stuff like that. So mine was more so that as opposed to hand-eye, but my handwriting is also appalling. Oh, that's another reason I don't want to be a coach. You've got to run on the board. Delegate, mate. Delegate. Delegate, you're right. But like in terms of like that that space and awareness and all that, so when you're actually catching the ball, like... Actually like catching stuff like that is I'm all right with, I think, and like passing to a certain degree. Not much strength necessarily, but this judgment of space, so like timing and stuff like that, I guess. Which team abroad would you love to play for? I'd like to do France, South, when they've sorting themselves out. It's a bit up and down at the moment. No one really knows who the best team is. Except for Toulouse, they're incredible, but um, Toulon are sort of rebuilding, aren't they? Like, you remember when, well, I definitely remember it in sort of 2012 when they were just unreal and they won everything. I'd like to do something like that. I'd like Japan again. I think the onsens, geez, I love them. And I think if America kicked off as well, I'm actually not too keen on America in general because it's mental out there, but I think I'd like to go to, I don't know, Miami if they had a team. Just proper different, do you know what I mean? Yeah, lifestyle more than... Yeah, exactly. Right but then if you're talking about being competitive, yeah, I'd love to go to one of the big teams in France and live on the beach somewhere. 
If you could go out for dinner with three players, who would they be? Dan Cole, Ben Youngs and Chris Bowman. Oh, that's a great shout. Yeah. What a laugh we would have. <laughs> right, just tell, because obviously he's not exactly a well-known... He's a prop. He'd been in... He's an American. Played the ITM captain yeah. for Wellington. Yes. So we brought him in because, like, basically, you can never really have enough front row cover. He's an American international. He played in, like, New Zealand. So it's like, this guy must be good. But they loved him over there, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. What a boy. He's a great bloke. But I just remember there was one time in the showers. Um, it was literally like, it was on a six-month deal, wasn't it? Yeah. And he, like, he said, I'd never, ever sign yeah. anywhere long-term. God damn. <laughs> never going to sign another long-term deal ever again. It's like... How, how long are you here? He was like, six months. <laughs> what? You consider that? I'm here for three years. <laughs> but no, he was he was some like... And I just remember him singing... We went up to Leeds, so the social made him sing the American National Anthem, but he stood at the front, and it was like, oh, this is funny, but then he did like, the entire rendition, didn't he, at the top of his voice. He's so one of the proudest funny. man. Oh, he was... Proud American, very shout amusing. Out to, yeah. Shout out to the bow, my man. What a fucking hero. Big shout out. He had like a... It was a motor. He had an RV, yeah. It was an RV, yeah. RV. And basically, his dream was just part of that by the side of the rugby pitch and live in his RV. And play for that club. And finally, what's your ultimate rugby fantasy? Um, To be honest, that's a bit cringy, probably win the World Cup. Um... But we got a bronze, got a silver, and I'd love to get a gold. Obviously, it's everyone's dream, isn't it? I'd love to do it. How old will you be in for the next one? 32. Prime. Young. Prime. Precisely, mate. Prime. Prime. Go win it in Oz. Yeah, How good. sick, wasn't it? I'd have taken yeah. Beaumont's job by then, so I'll be handing you yeah. the medal. Um, Genji, thank you so much for joining, mate. And uh, to be honest, you have to come on again, because obviously you come up this neck of the woods quite regularly. Where are you off to next, mate? To the gym. To Sin, Leicester, where uh, you boys are avid, avid users of the gym, yeah? Can you tell? As you can tell. It's about 15 minutes from your top secret location. I'll hide out. In, uh, no, Central Esther, near Welford Road. Um, come down whenever you want, guys, for the fifth pound a month. <laughs> 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 uh, prices are going up, mate. Electric's going up. Our price got to go up. It's just a simple business, Dan. Have you enjoyed, like, doing a business? Like, yeah, having... it's nice to mix it up. It comes with a lot of stress. Like, I had someone come in. This is genuine as well. And I'm not taking a piss out of anyone here. But a bloke come in. I said, I want to cancel my membership. And I was just coincidentally up at the time. I don't deal with any of this. Sam deals with it. Why do you want to cancel? It's too expensive. At the time, we were running a gym for £29 per month, right? And this gym's class, if I don't say so myself. It is class. I can vouch for it. It's class. Anyway, Sam said, where are you a member before? And this bloke said, Everlast Gym in town, which is £8 a month if you want to go to Everlast. And Sam said, right, yeah, well, we can't compete with that. I understand. And he said, so why do you want to cancel? He said, well, £29 come out my account this month. Sam said, yeah. And he said, I thought it was £29 a year. And I was sort of trying to keep my nose out of it. And this bloke said it's 20 after slurs. So I was like, mate, please. I was like, don't bullshit a bullshit. Like, I was like, you thought it was £2.50 50 a, a month. month to come to the gym. You know what I mean? I was just like, whatever. I was like, take your money back. Like, but that's what you got to deal with, Len. But yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. Um, hopefully set myself up for after rugby within reason. And yes, take your mind off it now and then. Look after Coley and Camp. I will. And thank you so much for joining us, mate. You'll also be special this podcast as you're our first ever guest. And you've set the bar really high. So if anyone else wants to come in, top that. Thanks, Len. Thanks, Coley, for having me on. Another episode done. If you want to drop us a line, get involved with our socials. Just search for At Love of Rugby. And if you've listened to all our episodes and need another podcast, go and find Joe Marler's Things People Do. For the love of rugby is ad-free on Amazon Music. If you listen on Apple, you can get it ad-free for £1 a week. We'll be back on Thursday to talk about Ireland and Andy Farrell. See you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network.